This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, I hope you're having a good week. Let me just impart something in there into you real quick. Aren't you glad God still saves? Aren't you glad he still forgives people? And he does. And I say that because at times I sense people that are very, uh, just have a sense of guilt and shame. And we have the guilt of shame and we have the thought, God could never use me. Listen, part of what Jesus died for wasn't just for you to go to heaven and wasn't just to take care of your sins. He came to get rid of your guilt and shame. And if you're here tonight and you got great guilt and shame tonight, listen, understand this. Jesus' blood will cover that. Let that heal you. Let that, let that move you forward in your life, okay? Don't quit. Don't give up. You know, King David, has, he was eaten up with guilt and shame. And he said in Psalm 3, he said, For thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. God will help you, okay? Just surrender and understand this biblically that the Bible is very clear that every one of us have sinned. It specifically says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us have sinned. Now, I can re-clarify that a little bit and say, there were just some of us that were better sinners than the rest of you. <laughs> was that you, Pastor? That was me. I was a tremendous sinner. I don't take great pride in saying that, but I'm telling you, God set me free. And so, I've been serving Jesus now for 34 years of my life. And I love it. I love it. All right, go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 8. Now, if you've been here since January, we've been talking about faith. Just every element of faith back in January, the Lord put that on my heart. I go back to my roots. That's what I learned about 35 years ago. Just faith that, that the just shall live by faith. He said there in Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So I got to learn about faith. And remember, Jesus' own disciples said to him, he said, Lord, increase our faith. And so we have talked about the different elements of faith. Now, for the last three weeks... We've been talking about what we call the little foxes that spoil the vine. There's little things that we do or don't do that will short-circuit your faith. Two or three weeks ago, we talked about unforgiveness. According to Mark 11, 25, 26, that if you get over an unforgiveness, man, it'll sever your faith. Two weeks ago, we talked about worry. Worry. There in Philippians 4, verse 6 through 8, it talks about be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything, but with everything, with prayer and supplications, make your request be made known to God. And then last week, we got over into fear, that we can be dominated by fear. Now, think about this in that setting right there, that if fear's winning, then faith isn't. Faith is one of the antidotes for fear. And so just think about those lines. Now, I told you to go to Matthew 8. I'll get there in just a second. Let me go rewind here just a little bit. Last week, when we talked about fear... In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Now, there's two great truths just right there in that first statement. God has not. So when we operate in fear or fear's function in my life, remember this. God said, I'm not the author of that. That's not for me. So it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out if God's not the author of fear, then who is? It's the devil. And remember, we talked about this last week in 1 John 4, 18. It says, fear torments. One of the goals of fear is to torment. Now, 
I don't need a show of hands, but every one of us in here can probably say at one time or another, form in some arena has tormented me. And the goal of, of the things of God is I don't have to be tormented by fear. Now, we're really going to dig into that. But he says there in, in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given me a spirit of fear. When he talks about fear, fear is a spirit. And when we talk about things in the spirit realm, that it being a spirit, you won't be able to see it for the most part with your natural eyes. But just because I can't see things with my natural eyes doesn't mean it's not real. It's real. The spirit of fear is real. It's, it's active in everything. So we will talk about some things tonight on how to combat it. Now, there's some things that are associated with fear called phobias. And phobias are, are a result of fear, and phobias are life destroyers. And a lot of times when we hear people identify phobias that are from fear, we have the thought or we even say, how could they be afraid of that? Well, I'll tell you how it is. It's real. Now, I wrote down uh, eight or nine of the top phobias that there are that are associated with fear. Now, this may identify you. The very first fear, the number one fear of all things for mankind is the fear of people. The fear of people. I told you last week, I ain't been there. I used to be fearful of getting in front of people. So it's, it's real. And this isn't just in order they are, but there's the fear of animals. How many of you know people that are terrified by bugs, spiders? And I mean, I'll hear my wife scream every now and then. I think, man, alive, it, it must be a real lion or tiger, and you'll go out there. One of the ladies in our church, I won't tell you which one is, she is tormented by moths. He said, ah. And you say, well, how could anybody be afraid of that? Well, it's real to them. The next one is the fear of heights, the fear of flying, the fear of water. Here's a good one, the fear of blood. The fear of storms. Some of you have gotten that opportunity this week. How many of you woke up by thunder and lightning the other night? How many of you got kids that they freak out over that? See, it's real. Then the next one is the, the fear of crowds or confined spaces. And this is a big one, the last one I'm going to tell you. The fear of failure. Probably has something to do within every one of us. None of us in this room want to fail. I don't want to fail in my job. I don't want to fail in my life. I don't want to fail in my marriage. I don't want to fail as a, fail as a mom and dad. So the, the fear of failure can grip us. Now, before we dig into this tonight, I, I want to put some faith back in you, first of all, okay? Start with me here in Matthew chapter 8. Look at verse 5. Matthew 8, verse 5. Begins here, and it says, Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord. Now, this centurion was a Roman centurion, so it tells me he was a Gentile, but if you'll note there, he said, Lord. He identified Jesus as Lord. And he said, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Just as a matter of fact, that's what Jesus said. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Now, he wasn't saying he wasn't worthy because he was a human being. He was saying, I'm not worthy that you should come out of my roof because he was a man of great honor and he understood that Jesus being a Jew, it wasn't normal for them to go into the house of a Gentile. He wasn't saying, I'm not worthy because I'm a human being. I'm just not worthy. No, it was out of a view of honor toward Jesus. So he tells Jesus this, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. 
but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Now it's interesting here that this, this centurion says, Lord Jesus, I believe in you so much and I understand the power of your words. And if you'll speak a word, it'll bring healing. Keep reading with me, verse 9. For I also am a man under authority. One translation says, I know this because I am under authority. So he said, for I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another one, come, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And so right here, this centurion, he understands authority. And he understands when a person is in authority, gives a command, everything obeys. You obey it, you obey it. And so he's identifying real quick right here, Jesus, I recognize the authority you have. Now, how does that pertain to me and you to this day? Well, we've been given the the power, the authority to use the name of Jesus. Where's that? Matthew 16, 19, Jesus himself said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. I give you the authority. He said in Luke 10, 17 through 19, the same thing. I give you the authority. And so this guy in this situation, though, he recognized the authority that comes in Jesus' name, Jesus' words. So we keep reading here. Verse 10. And when Jesus heard it, what the man said, he marveled. He marveled. He didn't rebuke him. He didn't say, hey, buddy, who do you think you are? He marveled. Now get this. And he said to those who followed, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Jesus' words, I haven't found such great faith even among the Jews. This is a Gentile, and I haven't found such great faith. So my thinking here is when I see that Jesus says, I haven't found such great faith, what was this man's makeup of faith? First of all, he understood authority. That's the same with me and you. We have no power, we have no ability, me and you, except in the name of Jesus. And when we learn our authority, and I'm just going to quote it again, There in Matthew 16, 19, Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So right there, I have authority. You have authority in Jesus' name. Philippians 2, 9 through 11, it says specifically that Father God bestowed the name that's above every name upon Jesus. And he says specifically in that passage... The name of Jesus is above every name in heaven, on earth, and in hell. That's the name of Jesus. So this guy right here, he understood authority. The second thing I find out, that he understood the power of of my words, the power that I speak. We go back and all he said to Jesus, he said, you just say a word and it'll happen. What's the power of my words? Well, Proverbs 18, 21 says, life and death and the power of the tongue. And so he understood that right here. And it's important that me and you, we get to the place in our life where we understand those things. So we keep reading verse 11. 
And I say to you that many, I highlight the word many, many will come from the east and the west, and they will sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now, what that's referenced there right there is Gentiles. There are going to be many Gentiles they are going to be in heaven. The black sheep, the brown sheep, the white sheep, the red sheep, the yellow sheep, the swirled sheep. Just all the sheep, they're going to be there. He's telling them right there that heaven isn't just reserved for the Jews. Thank God we're going to be there. Now, my thinking on this, and this may tick some of you off, but good. If heaven's going to be full of people of all color of skin, shouldn't we start practicing that here on earth? (laughs) I believe we should. God's a creator of every one of us. God loves us. How many of you uh, in this room, before you came sliding into this thing called earth, this world, you said to Father God, Lord, I want to come into the world and I want to be a black male. Not one of us. You didn't determine what your gender was and you didn't determine what color skin you would be. And so God says in Psalm 139, he said, I wonderfully and fearfully and skillfully created you. And let's value each other. Thank you. That's all free, okay? Keep reading. Verse 12. But the sons of the kingdom, referring to the Jews, they will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And and what he's saying here is don't, don't limit God by your mindset and your lack of faith. That's what he was telling the Jews. Don't limit me by your stinking mindset, the way you think in your lack of faith. Now go to verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And the servant was healed that same hour. Now I want you to get a hold of something right here. He'll be a, he'll be a nugget for you tonight. And as you have believed. Jesus didn't say, as I have believed. He said to the centurion, as you have believed. And so every time that I begin to read that, I I find out, what did he believe? What was the centurion believing? Well, if you go back in verse 8, he tells us out of his own mouth what he believed. He said to Jesus, only speak a word and she'll be healed. And the very thing that he spoke, It happened. It happened, and it'll happen with me and you. Now, understand this when we talk about faith. Faith has creative power. Jesus himself, he likened faith to a mustard seed. Now, if I had a mustard seed right here in my hand, you probably couldn't be able to see it because it's just a little bitty speck. But within that mustard seed is creative power. How do you know that? Well, if I would take that mustard seed and I would plant it in the ground and I would water and it, water it, that thing would take off. And that thing would get so big that even the birds would nest in it. Now think about that when Jesus said even, faith has creative power. Faith is like a mustard seed. So the thing is that with faith, if it's like a seed, I got to plant it. Where do I got to plant it? i got to get it in my heart. How do I water it? I keep getting in the Word. I keep getting in the Word. Remember, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. 
Faith comes. I keep hearing the Word of God. And the more I hear the Word of God, and the more I talk about the Word of God, and the more I meditate and think on the Word of God, it's going to come alive. It's going to come alive. So just as faith has creative power in it, so does fear. What faith does is, is it expects something good to happen where fear expects something bad to happen. And what happens in me and you's life, whether it's faith or fear, whatever we're operating in, what do we do with it? We speak it. We tell people. We tell people exactly where we're at in life. Matthew 12, 34, it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You want to locate where you're at? Just listen to what you're saying. Just listen. Now, I want to show you how that operates and how it looks. We're going to get into the spirit of fear now. Go with me to the book of Job, chapter 3. And you say, where is Job? Right before Psalms. Right before it. Job, chapter 3. So here's the thing. That, that no matter what's operating in me, whether it's fear or faith, I'll voice my expectation. It'll come out of my mouth. It will flow out of my mouth. That's why it's important. Man, I, I get where I, I let the word of God just come out of me. Speak the word, speak the word, speak the word, speak the word. Why is that so important? Well, remember, here's your good verse, Romans 4, 17. The Lord referring to Abraham, he said, I call those things, I speak those things that be not as though they are. I line it up with the word of God and I start saying about it. See, it goes back to the way I sleepwalked all those years. I begin to confess the word of God over sleep. The Bible said, remember the reference, Psalm 127 too. I give my beloved sweet and peaceful sleep. So I started speaking that over my life. Was I having sweet sleep when I started praying that? No, but I begin to say, I call those things that be not as though they are. Based on what? The word of God. The word of God. Get the word in you and God will get in you. Same thing. Now listen to this verse right here. I just want to read this one verse and this will really come to life to you. Job chapter 3, verse 25. For the thing... I'm reading now the New Living Translation. No, I'm reading now the New King James. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. And what I dreaded or was afraid of has happened to me, has come true. That's interesting right there. The very thing that I was afraid of, the very thing that I was fearing, it happened to me. So what that begins to look at like is Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So when I start thinking about things, and even if it's fear before long, you know what? You'll begin to speak it. You'll begin to voice it. You'll begin to say it. And this is, this is what he gets over with with Job. Fear has symptoms. Fear makes you tense. Fear makes you nervous. And remember, fear wants to torment you. Let me, let me give you two illustrations here real quick. And these are both true stories that I saw happen. Years ago, we had people that we were very good friends with. They had five children. Three boys and two girls. And, and number three out of all of them was a girl. About 10 years old, she dies. She dies tragically. Tragically. I'm not going to get into how she did it, but it, it was heart-wrenching. And in the upcoming weeks, me and Shelly were good friends with her mom and dad. And on probably between three and five times 
after the little girl has died, we hear the mother say this. I always wanted to have a lot of kids because I've always been afraid one of them will die and I still wanted to have a bunch left. The very thing that she feared happened. We were close to a lady and she started having problems within her physical body and she went to the doctor and they diagnosed her with cancer and the first thing out of her mouth she said this, My whole life, I feared this. I feared this. And so I I don't say that to to scold anybody because every one of us deal with fear in different ways. But I got to understand this. I got to get into faith. I got to get in the word. Now, I got about 13 or 14 or 15, maybe 20 minutes, maybe 25. I don't know. You're going to have to move with me, okay? Go with me to the book of Numbers 13. And I'm, I'm going to let the Bible walk me and you through this, okay? I, I want you to see how the Word of God will create faith and the Word of God will literally suffocate fear. It'll, it'll take it right out of your life and my life if I'll do this. Okay, we begin here in, in Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am given to the children of Israel from each tribe of their father. You shall send a man, every one a leader among them. Now, if you'll note there, the promise, he said, I want you to send out men. There were 12 of them, if you know the story. And he said, I want you to go spy out the land, the land that I'm giving you. Now, that's what God said. God said, I'm giving this to you. So you know the story, they go. The 12 go, and we jump to chapter, or same chapter, verse 27, and this is when they've come back. Now, when they come back, then they, the 12 spies, told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Now, when it talks about milk and honey, he's saying, Man, this land is blessed. This is a blessed land. Verse 28. Nevertheless, one translation says, But. Now, when I read the nevertheless and the but, the buts are faith killers. The but, it addressed right here their lack of faith and a lack, and, and fear. This is exactly what it means. So they, they see the land, it flows with milk and honey, but he comes back and says, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land, they're strong. They're bad to the bone. They're strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anik there. Now understand, the the citizens or the descendants of Anik, they were the most dreaded and feared people of them all. So just when I read this verse, this is the voice of fear. This is the voice of, of doubt and unbelief. Faith looks to God. Faith looks to the Word of God. Fear magnifies the obstacle. And if you look at the words, it says, man, that, that, that was strong. The, the descendants of Anik, everything was negative here. Now keep watching this. Keep reading. Verse 29. I'll just give verse 29. It didn't have nothing good in there. It's a bunch of ites. Verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well over to over. We are well able to overcome it now immediately you hear the voice of faith 
He doesn't mention anything about the obstacles. He said, we got to go up at once. We're well able. That word able there means the capacity to prevail or to succeed. He said, we're well able. How's that? Because God had promised them. Now, when he said, we've got to go up now, you know why I believe he said now? Because he understood how human beings are. The more we meditate on the negative and we think, oh my gosh, they're big. There's no way we can win. He knew fear begins to dominate people. And, and, and only two, Caleb and Jacob said, come on, fellas, we can do it. Keep reading. Verse 31. But, there's them buts. Them buts are faith killers, I told you. But the men who'd gone up with them said, they spoke, they voiced, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. But then God himself had already said, boys, I'm giving you the land. Verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, the land, though which we have gone as spies, is a land that devours its inhabitants, inhabitants and all the people whom we saw are men of great stature. Now watch this. Therefore, we saw the giants... The descendants of Anik came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers, get this, get this, in our own sight. Not in God's sight, in our own sight. And so as you put that into motion right there, fear always tries to magnify the issue. And this is exactly what happens here. And so in order to possess a land, you got to dispossess the occupants. So think about this in your life. God's given every one of us in this room certain promises, but in order to walk in that promise, what are the things that you got to dispossess? And you got to tell you got to go in the name of Jesus. You got to get out. Now I, I, I referenced that last week in my own life, how I was dominated by fear in my sleep. Finally, I said, "No, no, spirit of fear, you got to go. I'm not going. You're going." And let's keep going in here. Oh, goodness. go with me to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 1. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Just keep going that way, and you'll hit Deuteronomy 1. You always talk this fast. Yeah, I read faster than this. Deuteronomy, chapter 1, verse 6. The Lord our God spoke to us in Orb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. You've dwelt long enough at this mountain. And you know what that was in reference to? Since God sent the spies in there, they've wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. And you want to know how long that journey really was to take? 11 days. And God said, boys, this is how you look. 40 years, you just keep going in circles. And he said, it's time you move on. Verse 7. Turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain, in the mountains, in the lowland, in the south, the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites, and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. So again, God's saying, listen, boys, I'm giving you permission. But you got to go. You got to go in. You're going to have to stand up to some things. 
Same book, Deuteronomy chapter uh, 31. Just keep moving to the right. Some of you said, I hope you're going somewhere with this. I am. I am. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is one who goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Woo-hoo. Let me clarify something here that I really, really believe that the Lord was saying here. He's not telling me and you, don't ever feel fear. That's not what he was saying. He was telling me and you, even in the midst of fear, be courageous. Stand up to it. Go at it. Do it afraid. See, I think a lot of times when we see stuff that talks about don't fear, we think we should never have the feeling of fear. Let me ask you this question. Do you think when Daniel was getting thrown in the den of lions, you don't think he wasn't fearful? I believe he was fearful, but he said, I'm ready. I'm ready. Sometimes you just got to do it afraid. Those first few years that when I would preach the word, I'm telling you, everything within me freaked out. I'm shaking. That's why I stood behind the... I, everything within me shaking. And I'm doing it afraid. And people would say, man, your voice sounded like about a, a sixth or seventh grader. I know. It was cracking. I'm freaking out. But I'm still doing it. I'm doing it afraid. I'm going right in there. And understand that just because you have the feeling of fear. So what do we do in all this, Pest? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Go one more book. Joshua chapter 1. This is where we got to get. We got to get to... Joshua chapter 1. See, I, I can't allow fear to, to keep me from stepping out. What in your life right now, you, you know, you hadn't been able to, to conquer. You hadn't possessed because of fear. You've allowed fear to dominate you. You've got to answer that question. So we go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass... That the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan and all the people of the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Now, you've got to understand this with, with Joshua. Moses has been the great leader. And he's dead. And God says, listen, buddy, you the man. And Joshua said, you got the wrong man. I'm not the man. He said, you're the man. And he said, I don't want to fail. Well, welcome to the NFL. None of us want to fail. But he said, you got to go and arise. Get up. So how do we do that? Verse 3. Every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given you as I said to Moses. I've told you guys. I want to bless you. From, from the wilderness to the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to the fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. So when you read this, he's telling him, listen, 
Don't deviate from the things I've told you. See, without God, it's going to be frightening. But with God, it's a great adventure. And I step out by faith. Now, now think about this here just a second. How do I stay strong and courageous when everything within me is fearful? When he tells Josh, when he told him on four occasions, he said, listen, buddy, you got to be strong and of good courage. He kept saying that to him. And so I'm sure Josh was looking at him and thinking, how do I do that? Watch verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. When fear tries to rattle you, you start speaking right back at it. You say, no, uh, uh, uh. in the name of Jesus, this is what God said. Look at the next thing. And you shall meditate on the word day and night. That Hebrew word for meditate there means to recite and respeak the word of God over and over and over. So what's he telling me, first of all? Speak the word. Think on the word. That's, that's Romans 12 too. Think on the word of God. As a man thinks, so is he. Start getting your thinking where you think when, when something happens, this is what the word of God says. And then when I speak the word and I meditate on the word, he goes on to say that you may observe to do, that you actually uh, operate in the word of God. You obey the word of God. All that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Now, I want you to hang on to something right there. It was very similar to what Jesus said to the centurion. He said, the way you believe, buddy, so be it unto you. If you'll note right there, he said, then you, 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 you'll make your way prosperous, and you, you, you will have good success. And that's God's design. And so when I hook up with the word and I start speaking the word over my life and I start speaking my word over the fears and I meditate on the word and I said, okay, this is what the word says. I'm going to just obey it. Then, then, I like to say that over my life. I thank you, Lord, that when I obey your word and I speak your word and I meditate, I thank you right now. The word of God is causing me to have success and prosper. Now look how we end here in verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Woohoo! Now when I look at that, and I sit there and meditate on the word of God today, and I, I begin to see this, that a lot of times the spirit of fear shows up, and I liken it to a bully. Have you ever been bullied by someone? You know, every one of us probably. Well, you know, growing up, that I, I lived in a neighborhood where it didn't matter who they were. You didn't let anybody bully you. I don't care if they were six years older than you. My dad always taught us something. Pick up an equalizer. I was good at that. I'll hit you with a right now. Now, I'm not kidding. I would have. Think about this. I'm, I'm not going to hit the spirit of fear with a rake. I'm going to hit it with the name of Jesus. 
And I come up and I say, listen, in the name of Jesus, uh-uh, no more. No more. No more. Now, you think about a bully. Most of the time, if, if you said to a bully, you're not going to do that anymore, just because you say it to them, they're going to laugh. You're going to have to just punch them right in the face. Right in the name of Jesus. You have to stand in the name of Jesus and become very authoritative and say, uh-uh, in the name of, I'm not putting up with you. And it's the same thing in every aspect of my life. When I start figuring out who I am in Christ, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. God said, I want to bless you. I want you to possess. I don't want you to live dismayed and afraid. I want you to go in. But I'm going to have to do it. My mom can't do it for me. My dad, I'm going to have to rise up and say, okay, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And it becomes a great step of faith. Something will happen. Ooh, you better stand up or they may be throwing a rake at me. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.